Hey, welcome back. It's time again for another episode of This Week with Wendy. One of our favorite shows, our conversation always centers around real talk about the real SoCal estate of mine. Isn't that something we all really want to know more about? Well, Wendy Ross did. She worked for decades as a real estate broker in Silicon Valley and Orange County and all over the place. She decided there was time for a different way, a better way, and that's what's born her business, Veracity Real Estate, where they give advocacy at all price levels, kind of advice and interest you don't get except in the really high-end markets. Wendy's built a company of data-driven real estate. She calls them nerds, but I think it's uh, I think they're truth, self, truth tellers and truth seekers here. And through that all, she has kept a smile on her face like she has today here. So I don't know how she does it. Wendy Ross, welcome back. Good morning. Happy post-Easter. <laughs> is that what it is? We're in the post-Easter funk here. We're in the post-Easter. Uh, exactly. I've still got too much ham on my mind here. Have you? <laughs> Was the Easter bunny good to you? The Easter bunny. I, I I love the Easter bunny. I don't know where the Easter bunny went. Nobody seems to pay much attention anymore. My grandkids, I wanted to give them a chocolate Easter bunny. They're like, can't you give me like an iPad or something? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Things have changed Things have changed. The Easter good bunny's grief. not a big deal anymore here. Man. I was still happy with my little, you know, peeps. <laughs> peeps, yeah. What happened? We had the woman who started peeps, or woman or man, somebody years ago. There's a company back east that's had this brand for like a hundred years or something. That would actually be a very cool story. I have to go find them. It was a cool story. Yeah, peeps are still around here. I love it. Well, I have my favorite peeps here. <laughs> yeah, in this, in this little room. That's right. Different kind of peeps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so today, um, well, you know, yeah, you bring me here, and I always blow your mind, and you know that <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to bring you market analysis you can't find anywhere else. And and it's I'm not a solo act. One of the ways I can bring analysis you can't find anywhere else is by surrounding myself with experts who bring new experiences to real estate and a new perspective. And as much as I love real estate and all things new, not everything is new. Sometimes we'll take something old and we'll rehab, we'll revitalize it and make it fresh again. And that's exactly why Janine Elmelke is here today. Janine is a uh, the president of JEM Remodel and Construction, and she's a licensed general contractor. So before we get into all things building and construction and pick Janine's brain, um, let's continue with tradition. And I'm going to frame last week's real estate market quickly. And you know how this goes, Paul. It's always Groundhog Day when it comes to Orange County real estate. It is, yeah. Right? Everything old is new again. It's still the same. A repeat over and over again. It's kind of the repeat, except we did have a few notable changes last week. Um, We only had 391 new listings come on the market, and that was down 15.8% over the week prior. So moving in the wrong direction. As we ramp up into spring and summer, we want to see these numbers increase. And actually, I'd like to see tenfold increases. That's not going to happen, but at least I'd like to see them triple. We shouldn't be going down um, in terms of new inventory, but we did, nearly 16%. Can I ask you just one quick question? I never asked during the section here, but why? This is spring. This is when everybody puts their house on the market. Why would fewer? people put their house on the market. I'm sending you my end of March market report where I talk about that. Okay. Um, but the short answer is we have created tax disincentives for people to sell. So, and, and okay. the economy is as such now that the penalty of selling a home and buying a home, we, we use the expression right sizing. People tend to move at different stages of their lives mm-hmm. for different reasons. Like the kids are off in college. Right. They don't need this big five bedroom home in, in the suburbs. They'd rather get a sexy condo at the beach. 
Um, but if they sell their departure home that they've had for 15 years, where the property tax basis is $3,000 a yeah, year, yeah. and they go to buy the condo at the beach, and they're not 55 years old yet, they can't port that property tax levy with them. So now they're paying a $10,000 property tax bill wow. or more. Wow. And with the salt tax cap here for high-cost areas, W-2 earners can't write off more than $10,000 a year in local taxes. That includes the property taxes. So they're assuming a much larger larger burden, and they don't have the write-off anymore. And they're really stopping and taking a look at, is this smart? You know, And instead of moving, a lot of them are hiring people like Janine, saying, all right, I can't. Oh, it doesn't make sense for me to leave this home. Let's just make it a better version of what it is. And they're staying put. Yeah. So, And then combined with that is people who are older who would normally age out of their homes and go into care facilities were scared to death, as were their families, by COVID. Mm-hmm. They're not going into these facilities anymore. They're and the either. price of those facilities, too. It's not right. affordable or low. Right. right. I right. think you should do a show on that whole time. I'd love to hear more on that. I know you talk more about it throughout all these shows, but that whole idea of the disincentive, because I'm seeing it more and more. Me, too. Mm-hmm. We're staying in are living in our houses way longer than I ever thought I would. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great for, you know, the builders and the developers, or the, the rehabilitation builders. I mean, it's because right. the developers, they've got no land, so scratch that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's part of it. So so get back to this. We're down almost 16% week over week in terms of inventory, and we should be seeing numbers to the tune of 1,500 new listings coming on each week. We had less than 400. It's, it's catastrophically low. So, and because we had more inventory the prior week, we did put 573 homes into escrow last week, and that was an uptick of almost 4%, a modest uptick, but that shows you very little is coming on, but we're still cramming more of it into escrow. And last week, we sold 584 homes. That was up almost 1% over the week prior. So, we're cramming them into escrow and so many people are competing for these it's still only taking six days to sell a home and again historic average for springtime is between 35 and 41 days six days is crazy fast and of course all of this pressure and all of this momentum has done the totally expected it drove the median price up again the median price last week went to a million ninety five. So it was a million fifty the week prior. That's we shouldn't have rate increases of four percent week over week. That's insane. I'm almost afraid of what next week is gonna bring, but I'll be here to tell you. <laughs> we'll be here to listen. <laughs> we'll be here to talk about it. So of course we ended up with list price to close price ratio as you might expect of a hundred and nine point seven percent. So homes are selling for almost 10% more than they're asking, and we're asking more than we did in prior weeks and prior months. That was an uptick of 2%. So I'm hoping this doesn't continue. Um, It probably will. It's going to be a long, hot, insane summer, and we'll be here to talk about it. So... But thanks for the question. Yeah, sometimes I forget that there's. It's very perplexing. So, but that's that's this week, um, and we'll have more next week. So. This part is boring. I mean, this this part of yeah, it's it's unstable. There's none of inventory. I'd really rather talk about other interesting things that deal with my world. So that's why we have someone here who's crazy smart to talk about the behind the scenes analysis of what goes into building a home or rehabilitating a home. Um, and and because I look at the market differently, I invite guests who also look at the market a bit differently. And I am super excited to have Janine here today. I, I share 
what the industry knows and what the industry sometimes doesn't want you to know. But I do. And so do my associates and the people with whom I align myself, because we know that when you know how the game is played, you can make the best possible investment out of your home. And that's what we all want for you. So today we've got Janine El Melke of JEM Remodel and Construction. And some of my listeners may remember the precursor to GEM, which was called Alpha Remodel and Construction. So same company, same same leadership, same quality. Um, after gaining tons of experience for more than 10 years as a private building and remodeling contractor, Janine took the company under her own license. That was back in 2010. So she got certified, licensed, and just took it on her own, which really delights me. Um, she's completed hundreds and hundreds of client projects, ranging from remodels and full extensions and ground-up construction, um, some of which we're going to hear about today. So thanks for being here, Janine. Thanks for having me today, Wendy. I, I couldn't be more excited. So. And I'm going to interrupt for one second. Let's get Janine a little closer to the mic there. I want to hear all this. So just pull it right up. Yeah, closer. There you go. <laughs> pull it down. Or you can bit. move yeah. it back if you want to. Yeah, all you right. can move it around. So female founder to female founder, what's it like being a woman in construction? And, and how and why did you get into this industry? Um, it's a little, you know, um, competitive being in this industry in general, especially mm-hmm. as a female, as you know, most contractors are m- men. Absolutely. Um, but I do get some advantages uh, being a female because most, uh, homeowners, uh, the women mm-hmm. do tend to make the decisions when it comes to, uh, colors or putting, uh, you know, the kitchen or bathroom house together. So we get along very well and that's how I, um, you know. Uh, build my report with my uh, clients and customers. Um, I started my career. Um, well, it, we, there's a f- uh, there's a f- we're a big family of contractors. I have at least two or three general contractors in my family. Oh wow! So, and that's your immediate family, or just imme- cousins and uncles? Well, and- cousins, cousins and uncles. Yes. Wow. Um, and we're all in this in this industry. Uh, industry. I've worked with them for a long period of time uh, since we moved. To the United States, and um, you know, about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I decided that I could do this on my own. Good for you! So I went and I got my license. Yes, I it's love been it. Great. And were they supportive or were they a bit shocked? Um, well, one or two was uh, one or two was shocked, but the rest were very, very supportive. That's incredible. Yes. And how wonderful for you that you have this network of of people who understand what you're doing. And do you ever find yourself calling, going? Hey, I had this weird thing come up. Always, I always call my uh, my cousins because um, they have been doing it for a lot longer than I have, and they help they help me out a big deal. So That's I'm thankful incredible. for them. Yes. So during COVID, did you guys help each other out? Were there labor issues that you had to address? Uh, certain ones, yes, um, but not not many, to be honest. Good. I was very lucky. Most of my uh, you know, workers have been working with me for at least eight years. Eight, that says a lot. Yes. So they kept, we kept pushing and we kept working through COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, with all the changes, we had to adapt, you know, wearing masks, um, staying away from, you know, customers, uh, mm-hmm. keeping a distance. But we, we kept we kept going. We kept pushing. We didn't stop working um, throughout you know, from the first lockdown until now, we're still we're still going. Isn't it insane how, because we have related industries in real estate. Yes. It's crazy how we just didn't get to take a break. The rest of the world went on pause and we got busier. Correct. I would say it was only a two-week break because mm-hmm. everybody was in shock. Totally. And then after that, people were inviting me, you know, to their homes. And they weren't, they weren't afraid, really, as long as we both wore masks. 
Yeah. People were just uh, opening up their doors, no problem. And I'm I'm dying to know because in my world, suddenly with COVID, people went from I love the open concept to oh my god, I can't hear myself think because we're all at home. I need more walls. Were you hearing that kind of thing too? Not really. There's still more really? about the open concept. Yes, they want me to take down walls left and right. Nice. I think we've kind of gotten past that, and hopefully, people are going back to work. Yes, yes. So, well, yes, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still like the fact that uh, we're needed and then we're helping out people making their houses uh, totally. beautiful. Well, and people, I think, forget that homes, um, they don't last forever. Our tastes don't stay the same forever. We all evolve. And, and homes are things that need care and love. And we do need to maintain them and show them some love over the time. So of all the projects that you've done, hundreds of them, are there any that stand out to you as like, ugh, that was my favorite project? Oh, yes. Definitely. Tell me about that. Um, there was, well, there was a house in um, Newport Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did like you, um, you know, you're talking about the open concept. We took out a big, you know, load-bearing wall with a sheer wall. Of course, we had to do the footing. Um, sure. Uh, put a uh, beam across and just opened up. We, I was working with a designer. Mm-hmm. Um, she put in all the colors together, and the the house was spectacular. We put it. It was a flip home. We mm-hmm. put it on the market, and within less than three days, there was an offer above asking. And we're talking. Um, that was in September of 2020. People were wow, it was pretty right after, crazy. No, yeah, right after you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but people were were buying, mm-hmm. you know, were uh, putting offers, but you know, over way over asking price. And that's interesting because one of the first things I noticed as we got into COVID, excuse me, was that we saw as this massive increase of homes priced above five million suddenly being the most popular market segment. And I imagine that home was probably above five million. Yes. And those were the first to sell, which is the reverse of normal. Normally, right. those take the longest. But suddenly, as we entered into COVID, everybody wanted to be by the water. You know, so Newport Beach, Newport Coast, Corona Del Mar, Laguna Beach, those markets just exploded. It was crazy. So how they sure fun. Did. So you still have your showroom in Santa Ana, right? Right. Correct. Okay. Where is it? And tell us about it. What's that client experience like when they come see you? So um, we are on, we're close to the the freeway, the 405 freeway on Harbor and Seizurstrom. Mm-hmm. Um, we did close during COVID times because we were not allowed to be open. Right. But uh, the customer can come in, they uh, can look at the samples from uh, cabinets, countertops, flooring, backsplash. I help them put the design together as much as I can. I'm a builder, mm-hmm. not a designer. <laughs> um, and then we go through, you know, uh, the design, pricing, and you know the start dates, schedule payment, and all that stuff, which is nice because you have to go. We can all, you go only to one place and not four or five different places, not a cabinet place, countertop place. Right, that's what so I was just thinking. Just one shop, and I get everything done for you from, you know, the you know putting foundation all the way up to the roof. That's incredible. Now you were talking about your crew and your employees that you have. Do you have generalists that you employ and then you subcontract some of the specialties or do you have people who do electrical and plumbing and all of it? Both. We do. We do. I have both. I have a crew that can handle everything uh, from ground up and um, I have different tradesmen that do just cabinets and countertops and then I bring in a separate uh, sub as an electrician or a plumber to to do other uh, work that we need in order to 
you know, complete the job. That's wonderful. So, and in my experience, um, touching on your field, because I think I mentioned to you that I was a partner in a construction company way back when. So I understand that there's a great deal of nuance in correctly pricing all of these specialties, you know, when it comes to, you know, the electrical or the foundation. I mean, people don't understand pouring concrete is not as simple as it looks. You really do need people who are artisans who understand you know, temperature and moisture in the air and all of that. 100%, yes. And I do tell all all my customers, um, and one of the reasons I ask for a longer period of time to complete the project is that I like to hire hire tradesmen that that specializes in what they do. The cabinet guy just does cabinets, the one that pours concrete only pours concrete, Mm -hmm. the one that frames only frames, same for electrician and the plumbers, so I can get the best quality out of their work. And that makes complete sense. Like, I wouldn't hire someone to custom make my shoes and custom make my suit. I would hire someone who specializes in shoes to do the shoes and someone who specializes in suits to do the suits. And that makes that translates into your world. Correct, yes. See, I think people forget that. So, and to, to your point, you were just talking about you ask for more time. Why does it take so long to remodel a home? Well, beside, you know, the changes that could occur after demo, um... I have to be considerate of the customers, uh, you know, the time when they're available, when they can see the job. So I make sure everything's good before we proceed. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I have to take consideration, you know, the guys that are working if they need some time off. Mm-hmm. Plus, with COVID, everything was set back. You know, the city is taking forever to 20, get 30 percent of the time. The cities have taken a lot longer than they used to. Yes. Some are still doing it over, you know, the Internet, like via email and website. Um, and a few others are doing uh, walk ins or so you have in, to in actually person. bring the plans in. Have it. That's how we use how it used to be. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. But after COVID, it's been a little every city is different now. Mm-hmm. If some cities want us to bring in the plans, other cities we can submit online. Nice. Yes. Not, that's, I hope that they keep that. Yes and no. Sometimes mm-hmm. personal interaction with the people behind the desk can get you, um, you know, can get you more than you want. And uh, I know exactly shorter, what you're talking shorter about. Shorter period of time. Yes. yes. In fact, when I used to do new agent training, when I used to work for some of the big companies, I would, um, I would advise them, understand who the agent is on the other end of a deal. And if you're delivering a purchase offer mm-hmm. and you know, this is an old school agent, deliver the offer in person, have exactly. a conversation, right? And so it's the same thing. That's how it works best in my opinion. Well, and it's, it's interesting because we're talking about the time it takes being respectful of your staff, being respectful of the homeowner, giving them time to come and, and approve things before you move from one stage to the next. Um, A lot of people, when they buy homes with me, we talk about the future potential of this home, things that they can do, and they're always pushing back saying, well, why do I have to get permits? Can't I just do this without a permit? And how do you address that question when you get it? I, well, I go back to the, uh, you know, the codes and the contractor's license board's uh, requirements, and we are required to get permits. For virtually everything. Definitely, yes, you know, uh, except painting, Mm-hmm. You uh, doing, you know, flooring, you do have to get permits for electrical, whether you're uh, relocating or not, uh, plumbing. Uh, they don't necessarily care about looking at the cabinets, but if you are demoing a kitchen or a bathroom, they do want to look at the plumbing. So you do have to get permits, roofing, insulation, framing, drywall. Of course, if you're doing big sheets, not just little repairs. Mm-hmm. So I do recommend we get permits. I Some customers push not to. Um, I do prefer to do get permits but if I also sometimes leave it up to their um, discretions but I 
politely to walk away from the job if there are no per- permits. Yeah, it, it's your liability. Yes, it you're is. the one that's going to yes, be. Yes, it is my license at stake, mm-hmm. and I prefer not to, uh, you know, mess with the contractor's license board. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because I have said that very thing many times to my clients when they want me to do something that I advise against, and I say, you know what, this is one transaction for you. This is my career. This Correct. is my license, and this is my brokerage. You know, and, and I am the umbrella under which my agents have their licenses. So it's just not worth that sort of risk. Right. All right. So moving on from the, from the obvious liability and, and just just do the right thing. Mm-hmm. People are always asking why is it so expensive to to build in California? And there's a lot of layers to that answer, aren't there? There are. Beside the cost of the material, now mm. labor has always been the most expensive part of construction in California. Makes and sense. Uh, main thing is because of the life licenses and workers' compensation, mm-hmm. I, you know, and the liability that comes from hiring someone. So that's why our um, labor is so expensive, and that's why the construction price is more than any other states. Are you still seeing supply chain issues and shortages of material? Uh, slightly, yes, okay. but uh, it's getting better. Good. It's getting better. Good, good, good. All right, so people are always asking me, too, what is what does it cost to build? Like, is there a, an average cost per square foot for a, the typical remodel? I mean, not the luxury Newport Beach home, but just, you know, um, the average suburban house. Suburban. It's really hard to say when it comes to just a remodel. Yeah. For for additions, it might be for the build-outs. I could comfortably say we're between 200 to 250 just build-out. Finishes mm-hmm. are different because it depends on the finishes. Sure. But the remodel itself, it is difficult. I usually do by the job, not not by the foot. Right. Well, and and enlarging a bathroom or adding a bathroom is very different than adding a sunroom. Correct. You know, or a playroom off the garage or something. You know, it. And if you're pouring foundation, et cetera, et cetera, I, right, I get it. Right, because it entails more work. Uh, you know, the plumbing, the electrical, how many lights you want, what mm-hmm. flooring you decide to pick, um, and then of course, if it's an addition, you have to rely on engineering because structural engineering because that's going to determine the cost at mm-hmm. the end. And builders are not engineers, so we might have an idea. But, but you need to consult. unless you have the full set of plans, it is very difficult to be able to price it out off right. the top of your head. Unless it's just a regular first story building. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. And and people, I for whoever's listening and thinking about doing a remodel, I really urge you to consider going to be a wide variety of estimates and prices that you're given for whatever your project is. Do you really, really, really want to scrimp and skimp and save now only to have a problem later and then find out the person wasn't properly licensed and they don't have the proper insurance and you can't go after them for damages because they don't have what you need. Why go down that road? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yes. So, all right, moving on. Uh, that's my little my little <laughs> speech from my soapbox. So we were just talking a bit earlier about multi-generational living and people are, are staying at home. And you know, like Paul and I were saying, we're not putting our, elder, our elderly into care facilities and stuff. Are you seeing that people are asking you to modify their homes for that purpose because they're adding, they're keeping the kids at home or they're bringing mom and dad home? Is that in your world as well yes, as mine? Yes, yes. There, there's definitely a demand on that. And um, we're doing a lot more uh, ADUs or converting garages now. Oh, interesting. Yes. So you have more living space. So when they convert their garage, where do they put their cars? Outside. Okay. <laughs> Are they building carports or no? Not, no, not necessarily. Interesting. Just converting garages to uh, living spaces, yes. Wow. And are you having any challenges getting permits for the ADUs and the extra space? No. No, there's Good. been a, a big rate of approvals from most cities, yes. Good. Well, Senate Bill 9 and 10, I mean, I thought was just going to pave the way that there would be no problem getting these permits. But I'm hearing some cities 
um, are having some challenges with the, the community pushing back. But glad to hear that you're not having trouble because this needs to happen. Yes, it's helpful. Whole realm of, okay, I have my house. I'm going to be remodeling. I need to make it um, better for my, my purposes. Are there certain things people can do to save money that aren't shortcuts? Like if you make this choice rather than that choice, it's going to be more cost effective. Do you see things like that? Right. I do help out with budgeting a lot. And that's one of my biggest, you know, point that I help customers with. There are certain things uh, we can do, whether it's the way we relocate or it's the way, um, you know, appliances right. or it's the way we, you know, build. Like, for example, they asked me, would a second story be cheaper than a first story? Mm-hmm. Like, no, because it requires more demo and there will be a scaffold around. So if we stick to a bigger first story if it's doable then going halfway on the first story and then a, and then a second story you'll save money on completing a bigger first uh, story addition mm-hmm. um, and like I was saying if, if it's inside the house uh, try to not move to too many uh, appliances um, uh, or suggesting different material for example glass tiles is more expensive than porcelain tiles the same for marble is more expensive than porcelain tiles so we just i just guide them through the better um you know budgeted material that are still good mm-hmm. and i always say if it's properly installed it doesn't matter what kind of material you decide you, you choose mm-hmm. as long as you're um you know you're confident with your contractor and their workers you'll have the best outcome possible. Well, right. Like an artfully installed, let, let's say it's a subway tile. If you do a really well done herringbone pattern, it can be very interesting and half the cost of a more expensive tile. Exactly. Then if it's a marble, uh, you know, subway look tile. Right. And another um, route I, we've, we've, I've taken for a long time is working with uh, prefabricated cabinets mm-hmm. versus custom. Mm-hmm. I mean, you cut the cost in half. So and, and right there. Often, it, it, what I have seen, they're often actually better. I honestly have seen much better product with prefab than custom made. See, so the stigma just needs to be ignored. I, I believe so. They just need to, you know, discuss it with their contractor and just keep an open mind. Yeah. Um, just because it's not made in the United States, which is, I know I should uh, probably uh, push our product. But some people that... You know, if they're, you know, their cabinets are falling apart and they can't afford a $30,000, you know, mm-hmm. cabinets. Mm-hmm. And if I offer them that cost half, half that cost, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah. So you just have to, you know, budget it properly and talk to the proper people. We need to it. all make our decisions. And of course, we want made in America. Definitely. Um, and I we agree. need more things to be made in America. We should so, work on that. Right. <laughs> it should help us like, out with certain costs. That's here. a topic for another whole conversation. Yes. Right? Paul, Paul's nodding <clears throat> back there. So tell me um, some some fun war stories. Like what, what are some common mistakes that people have made? Um, hiring unlicensed contractors Boom. for more than $500 labor and material. <clears throat> that's when they call me after the fact. And that's such a difficult position to be in because mm. then I'm taking responsibility of someone else's work. Yeah. They cheaped out. Now they want you to fix it. Yes. And then it costs almost double. See? Because you have to demo it out. So how much money you, did that save? Nothing. Zero. That actually costs more. So please, please make uh. sure your contractor is licensed. Okay. So obviously that's the smart thing to do. What, what are other smart things that people can do when they're planning a remodeling project? Uh, getting more than one bid. Very good. Getting more, I mean, even the customer that come to me and they're comfortable with me, I want to make sure that they got another bid so they can compare prices and make sure it's apple to apple so they understand 
um, what they're spending their money on. Um, I have such respect. Make sure that. that they get more for their for their for their dollar. I mean, as much as possible for their dollar. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that, you know, unfortunate contractors takes advantage of certain customers that are not. Uh, you know, knowledgeable in this uh, industry. Yeah. So and I try to know. not do that. Well, yeah. I don't do that. <laughs> you don't do that. I don't do well, that. See, and I, I have such respect for someone who says, yeah, get get someone else to compete with me and get another bid because yeah. you know you're good and you know you're doing the right thing. Exactly. And I'm the same way. Am I a discount broker? Absolutely not. Am I going to watch your back ferociously and make sure you have no contractual issues? <laughs> Absolutely, I will. You know, you get what you pay for. Exactly. So there's... And this is an interesting question, so feel free to say, um, I've never seen this or I don't want to talk about it, but the the latest hot topics in my world in real estate are unconscious bias and discrimination. And people are all talking about um, whether or not sellers are discriminating against buyers and whether or not buyers are um, trying to leverage their status as women or Native American or Latino or whatever or fill in the blanks. So are you seeing any sort of discrimination in your world? And are you seeing that people are using whoever they are to try to get an edge over the competition? Or is that just my world? I want to say maybe not lately. Mm. Um, I might have uh, encountered discrimination at the beginning of my career, you know, with you know, them seeing a female contractor mm-hmm. might be a turn off to some, you know, ethnicities. Yeah, <laughs> some cultures. Some cultures. But other than that, lately, no, it's been it's been fine. I guess with, you know, getting a lot of experience and knowledge and knowing exactly what I'm doing, um, mm-hmm. I haven't had any issues. No. And I would imagine at this point, all your business is referral, right? It would, I would say a good 90%, yes. See, and that speaks volumes. Yes. Yeah, you know, when your customers love you and they, they send you to other people, you don't have to compete so much. They just no. know you're the best. Exactly. That's fantastic. All right, well, let's take a quick break here before we get into things a little bit more personal. Paul, you want to tell us about our sponsor? Absolutely. Well, as everybody knows, you've surrounded yourself with a team of people, a team of experts, great strategic partners in every aspect of the business. One of them is certainly our sponsor today here, Ford and Diulio. Ford and Diulio, it's an Orange County-based boutique litigation firm with experienced attorneys from big law firms. The partners who founded Ford and Diulio did so in the concept of aligned interest where their success is directly related to the value and results they achieve for their clients, where they're rewarded for being effective and efficient and not just dragging the litigation out to run up the time, where they can get in there and engage in a relentless pursuit of their clients' goals, whether early on in mediation or later on in litigation or even trial. If that's something you'd like to try out, that's something you'd like to find more about, simply find them at Ford Diulio. Dot com f o r d d i u l i o ford and d u l i o dot com. All right, this is my chance to ask a question. I knew it was coming, Paul. Bring it. I wonder about this whole ADU thing. I hope you do a show on that someday. This idea that now the state's allowing you to build—I mm-hmm. don't know if that's everywhere or somewhere. A little granny flat, a little extra unit, or something in the back. She was talking about in garages. There are other people, mm-hmm. because the guy coming on one of our shows builds these little units. And I don't hear anybody talking about it. I don't know anybody who's done that. Is that, is that. Janine's done it? She's done it. Talk about that. Is that, is, is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it jam more people in the neighborhood? Is it. Uh, 
Does it f- um, add more value to your home? I don't, I don't really even know how I feel about these things. Sure does add value to your home. It's some more square footage, so you you gain that, of course. Yeah, and it's not just a square footage. It's more functional utility. I'm curious, though, it, given this question, are mm-hmm. you seeing the ADUs are being built like little studios that have kitchens and bathrooms? Or yes, are they just right. bedrooms? What are you seeing? Um, mostly they're attached to, their ha- to the houses, yes, okay. or uh, part of the garage. Mm-hmm. They, they take half the garage. Okay. So this is what I'm seeing the most, attached or part of the garage, because it's uh, more expensive if it's detached to mm-hmm. the house, mm-hmm. because you have to run uh, more plumbing and electrical towards, you know, the uh, detached... Uh, that makes sense. You know, guest house or whatever you want to call it, granny mm-hmm. flat. Are they building them just like bedrooms or are they adding Be- kitchens to Bedrooms them? with little kitchens and bathroom, yes. Okay. Like a kitchenette and a bathroom, yes. Okay. So, like, I, I have the world's best ADU, but I bought the house that way. So I know. <laughs> yeah, you I have, have like a, And, yeah. I, you know, because on the one hand, it sounds like a wonderful idea. Um, uh, as people get older, you can put your parents there, whatever, or loved mm-hmm. ones there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's an extra source of income. Uh, you know, we're all looking for other ways to pay houses. So instead of having right. a roommate inside the house, you have somebody outside the house here. But I don't know. Are communities pushing back against these? Are they embra- are neighborhoods saying, oh, I don't want more people in the neighborhood. I don't want more cars in the neighborhood. Uh, in, in the neighborhoods of design review, I'm hearing they're having more issues with neighbors. Like yeah. Eastside Costa Mesa, they're starting to push back, which is stupid because a third of the houses there have ADU. Yeah, so right, it's like, exactly. why is it suddenly a problem? Um, and the, the reason that I'm hearing they're citing is what you had said. It's like increased traffic and more cars being parked. But I'm not entirely sure that that's true because I have more clients now than I've ever had in my career that share a car. Mm, um, and so yeah. many people use ride sharing like Lyft and Uber yeah, a lot. And right. kids use that a lot. More and more kids. Like we've talked about this, Paul. You and I, when we were 15, we were running to the DMV to get right. our license, right? Yeah. And kids now, they're they're foregoing getting a driver's license until they're in their 20s. Mm-hmm. So they're not driving. So I, I personally think it's a bit of a myth that people are trying to use, saying that there's um, increased traffic tension and parking issues. But um, it, who knows how long they'll be fighting this because the ADUs need to happen, additional um, square footage needs to happen. Well, where else are they going to find play? Either, either, either we're not going to accommodate growth, and mm-hmm. then what does that do to the economy and everything? It's just a handful of increasingly higher and higher prices that only a handful of people can afford, and millions of people are fighting, and it just keeps driving it up like it's going on now. Well, we're going to become a very, very wealthy retirement community. Yeah. Orange County is going to become just a bunch of old, rich people, and the young people can't afford to live here. Or do we go up? We had the mayor of uh, uh, Irvine in here, and she they, they always grimace when I say that, are we going to be New York? Are we going to be San Francisco? We're just going to go straight up and have mm-hmm. high rises everywhere here. And nobody seems to want that either. So Nope, they don't. They want what they want. They want things to stay the same. And they can't. Yeah. Because right. the world doesn't stay the same. The world is a dynamic place. So so there you go. That's our opinion. We say build the ADUs and, and call Janine and she'll get it done. Okay. Yeah. I, She's I, got friends at the city I, level. I, I never heard anybody <laughs> talk about them. That's what I'm just amazed. Yeah. I know they passed and I thought there'd be a big wave of them. I haven't seen them in my neighborhood. I don't know anybody talking about them. And it She's seems been too so. busy to talk about it. Well, probably. You have yeah. no idea. This woman has like no life. <laughs> it's insane. She's already trying to go out the door. We're trying to hold her for another okay. 10 minutes. All right. Well, all right. Fair enough. I'm going to go right back to um, what my favorite part of every week, and that's asking all my guests uh, my own version of the Vanity Fair Proust questionnaire. So these are more personal questions. Starting with, since I sell houses, this is about real estate. What city do you call home? Santa Ana. Same as me. I live and work in Santa Ana. I love it. Yes. And how long have you lived there? Uh, on and off, a good 15 years. Wow. Yes. So what do you love about Santa Ana? You're <clears> staying <throat> there. You must love something. It's in the middle of Orange County. 
whether people want to say yes or no, it's Costa Mesa, it's Sussan. No, I think Santa Ana is the middle, the heart of Orange County. Here, here. I agree. I fully support that. If you have one, what is your most treasured possession? My dog. Oh, I love you. <laughs> yes, I love him. I, I love him. She said that so meekly, though. Like, like we're all going to laugh. But you, have you, you got two this? dog lovers here's, right here's here. my dog right here. He, yes. He's my Dogs mascot. are the best. What's your dog's name? Bubba's. Bubba's. Yes. Uh, and what kind of dog? Um, Yorkie, Pomeranian. Oh, he so also looks like kind. a moat. Yeah, he's not so little. He's, he's pretty, you know, fat. But yes, <laughs> he's got his COVID fifteen. Yes, he did, and he loves tacos, so can't get him off of the tacos and the ice but cream. But you know, for Wendy's dog, he would be a taco. He would be a little morsel. Well, my dog's a hundred pounds, so. Oh yeah, no, mine is like twenty two, but still, yeah. he's a little stocky. That's adorable. I need he's to cute. meet Bubba. Yes. Okay, so you've done a lot, and I'm again such a fan as another woman-owned business and a woman woman in a male-dominated field. Clearly, you've overcome many hurdles. Yes. So, and you're not done yet, but so far, what do you think is your greatest achievement to date? A lot of achievements that I've done. Um, Could be anything. (laughs) Um, Owning my own home, owning my own business. Yes. uh, Being independent and a, uh, you know, um, as a, especially as a female mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in California, which everyone thought that it's hard to achieve. But, you know, if you put your mind to it and you work hard for it, you can definitely get there. I don't care what you are, who you are. I wasn't born here. I came here when I was 18. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a long journey to, to, you know, till I get where I got. And thanks to a lot of my family members and one particular one. You know her very well. The one who introduced us? Yes, yes. The lovely Antoinette yes, Balta. She's been yes. on the show, you know. Seriously? Yeah, yes. You know what? I've seen it. I've heard it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, they've, you know, thanks to all their support, family, cousins, mm-hmm. siblings, I've, I, this is, this is where I got because of them and their uh, motivation. I have such respect for what you've done. I'm Thank you. I'm such a massive fan, and anything I can do to promote you, I will. I appreciate it, Wendy. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. So this is interesting. Some people do, um, some people don't. Do you have a personal motto, something that you always say? Um, well, there's nothing that you can set your mind to do and not get done if you really want it. I love that. So just say you can do it. Just say it. Just say you can do it. It, it, it can be done. I, I don't see a reason why anyone can be set back your mind to it and just get it done that's fantastic that's it. get up and get it done get it done yeah get it done all right well i, I really appreciate you taking time Thank to be you, with Andy. me on the show and i hope that we can have you back and talk about what's happening in the construction world and yes. all things real estate but for now um how can our guests find you if they want to consult with you how can they reach you well we do have a website um gemremodel.com and we're also on instagram same uh, gemremodel or j-e-m and we're also on Yelp. You can find us on Yelp, J-E-M Remodel and Construction, Inc. Fabulous. In Santa Ana. I can't tell everyone fervently enough, call Janine. Call Janine. I've referred her to people very close to me, and they're just thrilled to have had the experience. So, Thank you, Wendy. That's all for this week. Please stay tuned for next week, and you can listen to this podcast and all the others wherever you most like to listen to your podcasts.